Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. I want to welcome you back to the program again today. Uh, we've been talking about over the last, I think, almost 12 weeks now, uh, the seven times that Jesus says, I am, in the Gospel of John. This thing really began to really grip my spirit as I began to study this in the beginning of this year. And every time that Jesus said, I am, I don't think it's an accident, first of all, that uh, you know, John has seven I am's. There's a lot of sevens in the book of, of John. Of course, the book of Revelation is full of sevens. I believe that the reason, first of all, I think I said this in one of my first segments, but uh, the, uh, the Gospel of John does not have the Olivet Discourse in it, which is the Matthew 24 where Jesus gave the prophecy concerning uh, the destruction of the temple, the end of the age, and uh, the tribulation and the wars and rumors of wars that was coming. I believe the reason for that is, is that the book of Revelation is John's version of the Olivet Discourse. I believe it's a much more expanded one, but it is really the fulfillment of the prophecy that Jesus gave concerning the end of the age. Now King James says the end of the world, but I think that's one of the major mistranslations that throw us off is he was not talking about the end of the world in the sense of a global situation. He was talking about the end of the age as far as the age of the Old Covenant. As we have begun to share this whole series with you, uh, you know, we've been talking about um, not, you know, especially last couple of weeks, we talked about the lawyer that came to Jesus in Luke chapter 10 and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And what I shared with you is that eternal life is more than just a ticket to heaven. I do believe that eternal life includes going to heaven when you die. But what Jesus began to teach in that next few verses about eternal life had to do with this world stuff and not other world stuff. And so when you start seeing even terms, I think sometimes we have a mindset of preconceived ideas, including me, that we just skim over stuff and we really don't realize the nuggets that are there to be mined. Because when he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He's not just talking about what do I need to do to get to heaven? While that's definitely included, the word for eternal there is aeonian, or the life of the coming age. And in the context of the mind of the first century Jew, he's simply saying to them, what must I do to inherit the life of the coming age? And so uh, one of the things that I really am pointing out is the coming age was the new covenant age living out of a kingdom understanding where a new form of government was about to come on the scene. And what we dealt with last week was Jesus said, I am the door. I'm the door into the sheepfold, and he that climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. Now let me say before I get into, uh, uh, these will be the concluding remarks on I'm the door. We'll start into something else next week. But when he's talking about I am the door, uh, you know, he, he's, setting, he's, setting, uh, 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 he's setting an understanding that what you thought was the door is not the door. But again, before I get into that, let me just say quickly that if you missed any of these programs, 
And you say, man, this is good stuff, but I've already missed 11 programs. Good news is everything we have aired to date is archived on YouTube. It is on our channel there. And if you'd like, you can go and watch them at your leisure on demand. Uh, you could actually subscribe to our channel. It's free of charge. And uh, when you subscribe, every time we upload a new video, which we do every week, uh, it will notify you that it's available to be watched. Also, if you'd like to listen to the audio portions of this on your, uh, uh, on your Apple device, there is an iTunes podcast where we put up everything that we air. Uh, the audio portion goes to our iTunes podcast page, and you can listen to the audio while you're mowing your lawn, driving down the road, you're exercising. It's a good way to redeem time. You say, but I don't have an Apple device. Well, the good news is we have it for an RSS feed for your Android device as well. Uh, the simplest and the easiest way to do this is simply to go to my website, and the address is already on the screen. And if you'll go there and just hit that uh, linhouse.com, in the upper right-hand corner there are little icons, the YouTube, the iTunes, and the little Android uh, icon are up in the upper right-hand corner. If you will click on them, it will take you directly to that where you can listen to this stuff at your leisure. While you're there at the website, if you would like to sow a seed into our ministry, we deeply appreciate it because we do need your help to take the gospel of grace and the gospel of the kingdom around the world. And it's very easy while you're there at the website just to go ahead and do that. If you're feeding from our ministry and you appreciate what we're doing, we, we appreciate your help. And uh, you will be a blessing then to multitudes of people. We touch a lot of people through television. And so with your help, uh, we will continue to do this. That being said, you can go back and do that. Let's get in the Word again. When Jesus began to say to them, I am the door. He said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, John 10, verse 1, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. Verse 9 of that same chapter says, All that ever came before me are thieves, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If any man enter in, he will find life. For the thief cometh not but for to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But I am come that they might have life, and that more abundantly. We actually named our TV program from that scripture, that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. I'm not sure Christians have really received the abundant life. I think many have walked down a church aisle and traded one set of stress and problems for another one. Or they've left one kind of bondage and entered into a religious kind of a bondage. But I'm here to tell you that he wants to open a door called Jesus into an abundant life. A life listening to the voice of the shepherd and hearing his voice and knowing his voice and having your ear tuned to the door I think it's interesting, just thought about this while I just mentioned that. John the Revelator, in the book of Revelation, same John writes and says, he says, uh, uh, in the book of John, he says uh, to them, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the door, uh, to the church, I'm sorry. But when he writes the book of Revelation, he said, This is a revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. 
The word servants in that verse in Revelation is the word bondservant, love slave, if you will. It's someone who has fulfilled their obligations as a slave, but said, I love my master and I love my family, and I choose to serve him. They would take that person who did that, and they would take him to the door. Now hear this, they would take him to the door and, and bore a hole in his ear and nail his ear to the door so that uh, that mark in his ear would mark him as the love slave. No wonder John said, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. Because I believe as love servants of Jesus, my ear has been nailed to the door, but that door is Jesus. Who better to write that than John? Who, who, who would make the statement, I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved, and he leaned on the breast of Jesus. He put his ear on the door. He could hear his heartbeat. He knew his compassion. He knew his love. That's the door that he's talking about. Anything that came before him were thieves and robbers. They did not produce life. And we talked about the man who was left bleeding and dying on the Jericho Road and uh, the religious system of that day had no answers for him. Matter of fact, Levite passes on one side and the priest crosses the road on the other side and they leave him dying. But the Samaritan picks him up, takes him to an inn, pours in oil and wine and says, whatever costs to make you better, that's what I'm willing to do. And then we begin to take you over into the Gospel of Luca. We showed you the context of where he said to strive to enter in at the straight gate. And I showed you last week that the straight gate is not performance-based Christianity. The straight gate and the door, again, is Jesus. If you enter in at the straight gate, straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leads to life, and few there be that find it. That doesn't mean there's a few people who are going to get saved. That means it was written to a first century audience of Jewish people who were still steeped under law and legalism, who were not finding the way or the door or the gate, the straight gate that entered to life was Jesus. And few there be of those Jewish nation people that were finding it. And it was about, they were about to miss it and enter the broad way and the wide way that would ultimately lead them to destruction. Uh, the, uh, Luke capitalizes, it uses a little bit different terminology over here, and he says, but, uh, you know, he talks to them and says to them uh, that strive to enter into straight gate, for many I say unto you will seek to enter in and shall not be able. Once again, he's talking to a Jewish audience in the first century. How do I know that? Because he just speaks to them uh, just a few verses above here and, and talks to them even in a parable. He puts forth a parable in verse number 6. He spake this parable and said, A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then said he unto the dresser of the vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down, why cumbereth it the ground? And the answer said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also till I shall dig about it and dung it, and if it bear fruit well, if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. Now let me tell you what happens then if you skip on down here and then uh, unto them. Jesus begins to say then, strive to enter the straight gate. He's talking to a Jewish audience. Now see, the fig tree to me is a symbol, two things. Number one, it's a symbol that takes us clear back to Eden's misty garden 
when it was the apron that Adam used to cover his nakedness. It was his self-righteousness. It was his apron-shaped religion that could only put up a good front. It could not produce fruit. This fig tree, to me, speaks of natural Israel and their, their, their whole bent on, on producing fruit through an old covenant paradigm, but no fruit is growing on it. And so it, even the length of time that he says uh, that he came to this fruit tree for three years. Now remember that Jesus had preached up that point for about three years. And then they said, let it alone for another year that we may dig about it. Jesus once again goes back and digs, or, or, or he, he once again, even after his crucifixion, sends his disciples and says to them, go first to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, because this group of people, first of all, have access to having right to what he is offering, and that is the kingdom of God, but they are about to miss it, and the fig tree is about to literally be cast down, hewn down, cast into the fire, where there was weeping and welling and gnashing of teeth. That's not talking about hell after a while. That was talking about the judgment that was about to come in A.D. 70. When he tells them to strive to enter the straight gate, he's talking about entering in through the door, which is Jesus, and they were about to miss it. And then he goes on to say in verse 25, when once the master of the house has risen up and has shut the door, and you begin to stand without and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open us, and he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not whence you are. And you shall begin to say, We have eaten and drunk in thy presence, and thou hast taught in our streets. He's talking, if that is not clear to you, that he's talking to these first century Jews and saying to them, Listen, I, they're saying to him, We have eaten and drunk in your presence. You taught in our streets. And Jesus was saying to them, Listen, the door is about to be closed to you. The kingdom is about to be taken from you and given to a nation that is producing the fruit because your fig tree has not done it and the only option and the only way in is through this straight gate and through this door, which is Jesus. See, anything that offers you an alternative option into eternal life than through the door, which is Jesus Christ, is another gospel which is not a gospel at all. I don't know how, how much plainer you can be is that there, are, there is only one name given under heaven whereby men must be saved, and that's the name of Jesus. Now, if, if, if people get mad at me for teaching that, I am really sorry, but the bottom line is, is I think there's only one way, there's only one door. And these people, this is not talking to just, this is, we, we take stuff out of context and we disqualify people in the New Covenant. When he's not talking about people in the New Covenant, he was talking about some first century Jews. The door was about to be closed on them, and they're going to stand there and say, we eat, or we have eaten and drunk in your presence. And you've taught in our streets. But he shall say, I tell you, I, I know you not. I know not whence you are. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. Then there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets and the kingdom of God and you yourselves thrust out, and they shall come from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south and shall sit down in the kingdom of God. And behold, there are last which shall be first and first which shall be last. This is talking about they're going to come from the east, the west, the north, and the south. This is talking about the door 
is about to be closed to the Jews who think they can come through the old covenant mosaic system and the door is about and the, and the gate is about to be wide open to, to the Gentiles who have stood without and they have been at, at the last so to speak they're about to be first and what was first the people who had the covenants of promise first the Jews were about to be last because they're about to see this ain't talking about when we get to heaven someday this was talking about the kingdom that was imminently upon them and that there was going to be those who would sit down in the kingdom of God with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and enjoy the covenants of promise as a result of entering through the right door that would lead them into the life of this kingdom because in this same context he talked about this kingdom of God being like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of meal until the whole thing was affected. The kingdom of God was like a mustard seed that, that was sown and uh, uh, the birds of the air came and lodged into the branches of it. In other words the kingdom of God is like leaven. It is expansive. It is inclusive that once you get it in you can't get it out. You know I grew up in a family of seven seven kids. My mother would make bread, 25 pound bag. I can remember getting a 25 pound bag of Robin Hood flour, sometimes twice a week, and she had a great big dish pan. And she would take that bread and dump it, in, or that flour dump it, and put, you know, lard and yeast and water, and she would mix that. But she would mix the leaven in that. And at first it was like a small loaf. But the more it sat there in the right environment the more it expanded. It would get so that it would literally overflow that pan. And that would, I mean, it would literally overflow that, uh, that dish pan, make a great big pan of bread. And then she would pat it out again, set it in small rolls, and it would begin to expand. The principle of leaven is it expands. And I can remember she would take that fresh dough. If you never had this, it's delicious. But many times before that bread would raise, we'd be all hungry and wanting some of that bread, and mom would tear off pieces of that bread. And she would throw it in a skillet of hot grease and, 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 and fry that bread, and then put butter and jelly on it. It makes me, my mouth water when I think about it. We still do this sometimes at youth camp. We make these, we call them hoe cakes. And we would take those hoe cakes, that fried bread, and we would butter and jelly and eat them. But I gotta tell you, you can only eat them till you're comfortable. Because if you eat too much of them, they're going to start expanding inside of you and you're going to start to get miserable <laughs> because that leaven is going to begin to expand. What are you saying, Brother House? What I'm telling you is that Jesus was introducing a life that would be so internal inside of us that it would begin to literally work from the inside out just like leaven does in a loaf of bread until every nook and cranny of our lives are filled with the kingdom of God. And then not just our lives, but he was talking about the expansion of the kingdom going not just to the Jew, but to the Jew and the Gentile. And the mystery that was hid from ages was that he would include the Gentiles in the covenants of promise. It's all through Paul's writings. Matter of fact, most of the time when he talks about predestination, he's not talking about the fact that he predestined some to go to heaven and some to go to hell. I just don't believe that. What he's talking about is that he had predetermined and predestined the inclusion of the Gentiles before the foundation of the earth. And it was a mystery that was hid from ages that God was going to be inclusive of people from other backgrounds. And that's why you see even the story of the Samaritan because the lawyer was asking Jesus, who is my neighbor? 
and he said to him, uh, a certain Samaritan came, and the Samaritan helped the guy that was wounded and dying. He said the neighbor was the Samaritan. Well, in the mind of the Jewish audience, that Samaritan was rejected, but what he was showing them is that he's inclusive of people who you didn't think was included before. Oh, that's a real stretch for us sometimes, even in the church, to think that God wants to include and save people we didn't think was worthy of it. But I'm telling you, when he says they'll come from the east and the west and sit down in the kingdom of God, and that which is last will be first, he's talking about the, that what was last was the Gentiles, they're about to become first. And what was first, the Jews were about to become last, and the door was about to be closed, and they were about to head down the Broadway of destruction because they missed the door into the kingdom. Oh, don't miss that door today. I'm telling you, Jesus is the door. I am the door. I'm the shepherd of the sheep, which is a whole other uh, series for us to teach. I'm the shepherd of the sheep. And when you do that, there's a brand new focus that comes. You know, one of the things that I saw that even in this same context in Luke 13, right between uh, the last will be first, the first will be last, and the fig tree, is a woman bowed to the earth who could in no wise lift up herself. Because I think when you're under an old covenant paradigm, that woman to me powerfully pictures people under the law because they're always bent over, they're always bowed to the earth. You know, I, and back, back several months ago, I had my sister on the program, and she wrote a book called Unblemished. You can get it on Amazon, by the way. And her book called Unblemished by Lisa Unger talks about how in the book of Leviticus that a hunchback woman was disqualified. A, uh, a dwarf was disqualified. A uh, man with uh, a blinded eye was disqualified. A flat nose, a withered hand, uh, a running sore. All of them were disqualified from eating the bread of the most holy place. They were disqualified from priesthood. But what we see is when we come to the new covenant is that everything under the old covenant that was disqualified is qualified. It is not an accident that Jesus would handpick every one of those things that's disqualified in Leviticus and heal it in the new covenant because the new covenant is about making whole what was lacking. Whatever it costs to make you better is what he said to the wounded man left bleeding and dying beside the Jericho Road, I'm willing to pay the price. And so we find that the old covenant disqualifies you, leaves you bent over and bowed to the earth. Interestingly enough, she was bound for 18 years, which is the number of bondage. But, uh, you know, one of the things that I think that kept them in bondage, don't have time to really develop this thought, but one of the things that kept them in bondage, let me just say this, was tradition. Every Greek word has a numerical value. In other words, uh, it would be like an A is worth 12 and a B is worth 10 or, or whatever those numbers are worth. But I, I did a study back years ago uh, from a book called The Arithmetic of God by Nash, I believe is his last name, it's an old book. But it said that uh, there are only five words in the entire New Testament that have a numerical value of 666. And the very first one is the word tradition. And it says you have made the Word of God ineffective by your tradition. And so while we're waiting on some antichrist somewhere else to go, Jesus was dealing with in this first century a whole group of people who were pro-God but antichrist. The other words are the words, we perish. It's where uh, he said on the ship, don't you care that we perish? One is, uh, by this 
uh, craft. We have our wealth. The word wealth has a numerical value of 666, and it's where uh, the false god makers were getting rich by making false idols. The other one is uh, scattered, where Peter writes to the scattered abroad. And uh, let me think what the other one was. It was traditions. Uh, uh, we perish, uh, wealth, scattered, and uh, there's one more. Uh, you, you could get my book, Beauty of the Beast, and it'll have all of them in there. Anyway, uh, this woman is bowed to the earth for 18 years. If you count 6 plus 6 plus 6, it's 18. What has kept people bowed to the earth and looking in the wrong direction is that we've been taught our whole lives to look how bad we are, look how big the devil is, look at the realm of dust, Look at the serpent. Look at your problem. Look at your circumstances. Focus on your failure. Let me tell you, the gospel tells you your real identity. Ought not this woman who is a daughter of Abraham be loose from this infirmity? And when Jesus walks up to her, see, she was under the old covenant. She would have been disqualified from the bread of her God. But this time, the bread of God walks up to her and says to her, be ought not this woman who's the daughter of Abraham. So what he does is he defaults to a covenant that preceded the Mosaic covenant, which was the Abrahamic covenant, and he said, ought not this woman who's the daughter of Abraham be loosed from this infirmity on the Sabbath. Jesus heals everything that was disqualified under the old covenant in Leviticus. He heals it in the new covenant. He heals a man with a withered hand. He heals blind Bartimaeus. He, he goes to Zacchaeus' house who would have been disqualified. He was the dwarf. He was a wee little man. He heals the wounds of, 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 the, of, of, of the lepers, the running sore. In other words, everything under the old covenant that disqualified you from life, Jesus heals it in the New Testament. He said, I'm the way. I'm the door. Hallelujah. The thief comes not but for to kill, steal, and destroy. But when you enter into the door, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So the new covenant is about qualifying you and not disqualifying you. The old covenant will condemn you, but the new covenant will affirm you. The old covenant is about rules. The new covenant is about a relationship. The old covenant is about a law you have to keep. The new covenant is about receiving a life that will keep you. Enter through the door. If you enter through that door, let me tell you, it is life and that more abundantly. You'll get your life back. It may look different than people thought, but I'm telling you, we're living in one of the greatest days of human history because there is a door open in heaven like no other door has ever been opened before, and His name is Jesus. And if you are smart, you'll be like John. You'll take your ear and nail it to the door, listen to His heartbeat, listen to what makes Him tick, Hallelujah. And he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. We're out of time. That concludes our remarks on the door. We'll start on another one next week. If you'd like to become a partner with our ministry, please call the number on the screen. We can set you up with a monthly debit or a monthly credit card charge. Uh, you can also just send it monthly if you'd like, or you can send a one-time gift. It's very easy to do that by simply going to our website and the addresses on the screen. And there's a PayPal, but you don't have to just give through PayPal. You can use that window to give through a credit card or through your debit card. If you want to send a check or money order, send it to the address that'll come up on the screen at the end of the program. God bless you. Thanks for joining us. The word repentance means to change your mind. The message of John the Baptist and of Jesus was to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. 
The kingdom of God is accessed by a change in our thinking. If you are in outer darkness, there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. That reality is not always out in the distant future. It is in people's lives right now. One simple mind shift can move you out of darkness and weeping and into light and rejoicing. God wants to wipe all tears from our eyes and replace our weeping with joy.